Welcome into Loserville, folks. It's Philip Kingston reporting to you today from Dallas. Uh, Tyler Wade joins us by Zoom from my hometown of San Antonio, where he is trying to talk um, people like me with poor public education from San Antonio into attending his, his fine university. Any luck? Uh, it's been a good week so far. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is what good. What schools a, are you hitting? A lot of the idea schools. And then I'll go to Alamo Heights. Um, and then there's a big private schools fair at Antonian on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Alamo Heights is an exact analog for uh, Highland Park. Mm-hmm. Um, down to the haircuts, like all the dudes have the same haircuts, and they all still wear um, uh, red wings. Like it's it's such a overprivileged white dude uniform in Texas. Like I can spot them by their fucking haircut. I don't <laughs> understand how this haircut has persisted for the fifty years I've been on this planet. That's that's hysterical. Yeah, it's I don't know. It seems like lots of Texas cities have these little enclaves that they started to have their own city, probably because black and brown people lived in the big city and Mm -hmm. they needed to flee and start their own place. Right. Houston has River Oaks, but I'm not sure it has its own ISD, but the uh, Bel Air Mm -hmm. uh, down there has its own ISD and it's kind of that way. Austin, I think, is maybe the only place that doesn't totally have the same thing, although I think uh, West Lake is kind of uh, the, the uh, maybe the analog there. But Yes, yeah, yeah. But great schools. Uh, Alamo Heights is a good school. Um, and so, yeah, it's been, but it's been a good week so far. Yeah, um, I mean, y- you know, that, that, that's the thing about education. It's like if, if you want to track really the one thing that predicts outcomes, of success it's it's middle class <laughs> upbringing it's, it's fucking resources and like it, yeah the, <clears throat> if a school you know is turning out reasonably good high school graduates when it's starting with a pool of wealthy kids it's kind of like oh yeah g- good job <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> what a, what a bunch much. of hard work you had to do yeah. now if they could it, and if they could if they could keep those kids from turning out totally fucking racist, now that would be a trick. Well, and that would involve probably teaching things like, I don't know, history and history <laughs> class. So, I mean, baby steps. I had a conversation with a friend last week um, about sort of if I were a public school teacher in Texas, how long it would take me to be fired. Um, yeah. And it would probably, we, I think we got around like a day probably on the job before I would say something that would offend someone. Um, and that involved into like a conversation of, you know, if I became like Greg Abbott and Ken Paxton's like public enemy teacher, number one, you know, they haul me in front of, you know, I could see the big press conference and, uh, you know, most wanted <laughs> poster. Uh, you know, these are the bad teachers in our schools. So it's probably best that I stay away from teaching. I think I would get in trouble fairly quickly, but I'm also extremely skilled at getting out of trouble. Mm. So I feel like my tenure might last a little longer than yours, although you and I would essentially be saying the same thing to the children. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, little housekeeping. Um, This episode is going to be a demoralizing a review of the election. Um, however, in more positive news, um, Judge Wooten heard our interview with her lawyer, Pete Schulte, about her travails in Collin County and has requested to be on the show. And I have not cleared this with you, but I'm almost certain you would agree with me that we must do that. Yeah, I think that would be phenomenal. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, she's a great lady. Um, obviously, you know, Pete was singing her praises. I've, I've had less experience with her directly, but I'm a fan. So I'm, I'm very interested in that. And I think we'll get even more uh, in, insight into politics in Collin County. Um, and I, 
I don't know. I'm fascinated by it. I, I think you are too. And it, it's just, Colin, just as we were talking about the analogs for Highland Park and University Park in other cities in Texas, Collin County has very close analogs uh, in the other communities in Texas. In Houston, you know, the Woodlands and Kingwood, the northern suburbs are very, very similar to Collin County. Um, in Austin, uh, Round Rock is, is, is creates somewhat of a similarity. Um, San Antonio a little bit less so, although there is certainly there's certainly some there's certainly some wealth and some uh right wing nut jobbery in uh Comal County and Kerr County just north of maybe Bernie is kind of a an analog for Plano yeah. sure, or it's Bernie, or, yeah. 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 Um so I mean these it, it, we we love to note the differentiation in the places that we live and how you know different um, Dallas is from Houston or whatever else. But it, in in truth, there are a lot of similarities. Um, we we uh, I think we as humans like to have clans and uh, associations that we think differentiate us from other people. But in truth, Dallas is just a kind of a copy of uh atlanta and phoenix it just happens to be between them <laughs> so i think we have things so i think we have things to learn from our um disgusting right-wing uh suburban counties friends to the north yeah <laughs> with, their, with their hebs <laughs> bastards i <laughs> I just, I really, I want to sit Charles Butt down and try to understand what the fuck he's thinking. Yeah, um, it was, yeah. They, you know, well, he, I know they he, own land in South Dallas, right? Up here, that was the story that came out last week, that they, they, have an old, they own an old Albertsons that is now vacant somewhere in well, South Well, that Dallas. one is not in Southern Dallas. That is on Lemon. Um, okay. Okay. Be, yeah, that yeah. will become a new central market. I did the zoning on that a long time ago. KDC is the development partner, and the the delay in getting that process started has has not. I have actually talked to KDC and HEB about this project, and neither one of them has a very convincing story about why it's taking so long. Mm. I'm not. I'm, I can't really. I can't relay anything that makes any sense because they didn't say anything that made any sense to me. So we hope, um, but no, uh, Charles, yeah. but you know, is this um, fairly religious guy and a guy who probably has the highest degree of respect in the business community in Texas for his business ethics, for his acumen, all like he's highly regarded. Um, and he continues to fucking give Greg Abbott money all the time, mm -hmm. even when Abbott does stuff that 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 Charles Butt publicly disagrees with. And I'm just like, what are you doing, dude? Fucking cut that out. What are you doing? Yeah, that's that's no bueno. I find out that a lot in Texas where there are things that I like and then I find out more about the people who own the things that I like. And then I'm like, God <laughs> damn it. Like, well, I give some of them a pass just because the power structure being what it is, you want to have whatever access the money gets you. Like, yeah. I think the dude that owns Bucky's is basically a good dude. Like, they, he treats employees right and whatnot. They pay their people but, well, right, which but, is good. But he does yeah. give money to Republicans, and I kind of, I kind of yeah. think that's not a really ideological thing. I don't know that for a fact, but that's my impression. Oh, do you know? Um, the urban legend about uh, uh, Charles Butt's mansion in King William in San Antonio? No. So the headquarters of HEB is down in, an, in a historic building called the Armory down there uh, in King William. And um, Mr. Butt has a, a very, very nice historic house in King William. And the urban legend is that he was permitted to tunnel under the San Antonio River so that he can take the tunnel from his house to 
HEV headquarters and that the plans and permits for this tunnel do not exist anywhere because he was able to convince whoever made this decision that, they, that there were security reasons for those not to be publicly available. That's fascinating. <laughs> I, I, what, I don't know if it's true, but I hope it is. Yeah, I kind of, I, I hope it is too, but I don't know. <laughs> oh, all elections. right. <clears throat> so you wanted to talk about the election, you miserable bastard. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it's sort of funny, right? A mixed bag between nationally and, and local, right? Nationally, not as bad as people thought, right? Uh, you know, Democrats are going to hold on to the Senate, right? May even gain a seat if, you know, Warnock can can win the runoff. Um, the House still coming the fake, down. To, the fake Richard Nixon says Warnock is going to win. Which, yeah, that would be, I mean, there's no, you know, I think if people were voting for Herschel Walker because they wanted to win the Senate, but otherwise they don't like him, with the Senate out of their hand now, you know, maybe those people realize that having somebody who seems to not be uh, all the way there be your senator is maybe not a great thing. <laughs> well, and um, <clears throat> I don't know, if people don't follow the fake Richard Nixon on Twitter, they should. It's at Dick Nixon. Yeah. And, uh, He's this very this guy. The guy who writes it is a is a historian, and it's actually a very insightful guy. Um, but the fake Richard Nixon says um, the thing you said that the stakes being so much lower are, are going to mean people aren't going to turn back out for uh, for Herschel. At, but he also thinks that Trump announcing his 2024 candidacy this week actually takes steam out of the the Herschel Walker campaign. And I don't fully understand that, although I'm sure that he will write about it on his Patreon page and I'll I'll see that at some point. Yeah, it is that is a good follow. Right. So the Senate is that the House, you know, continues to go down to the wire. I think it's probably gonna end up being, you know, 221 Republicans, 214 uh Democrats, right? Um so I don't know. Up. I saw um uh what's his name? Uh I'm forgetting this man's name, who's done a lot of, who's been the most accurate predictor of this year's election. Um, he, I think today, said he still sees 219 to 16. Is that how that works? Which, I think that's yeah. how that math works. Yeah, which would be, I mean, and we talked about that in the in an earlier episode, you know, one of the reasons why the DCCC, you know, pulling funding out of South Texas for Michelle Vallejo, right? She ended up losing that race to the Republican by about 13,000 votes or yeah. so, um, right? And it's things like that, that it's like when you're playing with one seat here and one seat there, um, that could have made the difference between having <laughs> Speaker Pelosi or Speaker McCarthy. Um, well, and New York State is really even a worse story than that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, just times where the Democrats, you know, keep falling on uh, their face, um, but it will be tight. And I think it's going to be funny to see at least the Kevin McCarthy try and, and govern that caucus, which uh, just seems to be, you know, wild, wild. Right. Um, yeah, I think there's a little bit of uh, wishful thinking uh, among our friends and colleagues on the left about how uh, how ineffective he'll wind up being. That's actually kind of bullshit. He's still going to get to you know appoint everything, and it's oh, going to be, be all kinds it's of gonna be fucking terrible, right? Yeah, it's going to be yeah. awful. And Kevin McCarthy seems to not be the sharpest tool in the shed either, right? And well, um, I mean, you could say that, but he he really managed to hold together a minority yeah. coalition with yeah. incredible discipline. Yeah. And so I don't know. I mean, people talk bad about him a bunch. And I'm like, wait a minute. He, he actually seems to have done what you're supposed to do as the minority leader. It'll be interesting to see what the Democrats decide, you know, to do too. Does Nancy give up, you know, her time being in charge of, of the caucus? No. Uh, and probably not, right? <laughs> that which question? Is sad. <laughs> yeah, which is sad, right? Because I think, you know, that, you know, our octogenarian overlords, <laughs> um, you know, you need to give people something to, to vote for. So that's the national picture. We won't bore people. There are plenty of other folks smarter than us that folks can listen to. Well, um, one more note about that. Yeah. Did you notice that uh, Henry Cuellar is claiming that 
Kevin McCarthy keeps calling him to try to get him to flip to Republican. Uh, that's just, yeah, he's the worst. Well, and here's the thing. He thinks that's funny, that, like, he's doing something really cool by, you know, ratting out the Republicans for doing that. But the real story there is that they think it's possible. Like, that's yeah. that's the real story. And, this, you know, this is a guy who Nancy Pelosi campaigned for in his district in the last two cycles, and she probably single-handedly kept him in that seat against, yeah, right. yeah, against, our, against our friend Jessica yeah. Cisneros. And, uh, and it, you know, that's – she could have had somebody that Kevin McCarthy would never have talked to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. But no, but they, because they, they, she cares more about being the leader of the caucus than she cares about actually accomplishing policy yeah. goals, she is going to go with whoever is going to vote for her for speaker. And Jessica Cisneros may have been a vote for Ro Khanna or name the progressive who should be speaker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. So that's there's lots of stuff to be decided on, on that side of things, too. The picture in Texas. Uh, much more bleak uh, than the the national, the national one. Um, and so, wanted to to you know get your thoughts, Philip, and kind of debrief that with with everybody. You know, obviously, folks know the winners and losers at this point. Um, I think, you know, the interesting story, a couple of interesting stories. You know, one, I was looking at turnout data, right? So, turnout in Dallas County was about forty four percent. Turnout statewide was about forty five percent. It's the, our state website makes it really hard to get data, um, but you know in, in Harris County, Houston, their turnout was about 43 percent, um, down from 65 percent in 2020 and 52 percent in 2018. Um, you know, so you've got this you know failure uh, among Beto and the Democrats to get voters out right in the cities, coupled with um, you know the Republicans just cleaning up you know. 8 to 2, right, 80-20 in the rural, rural areas, right, 90-10 or so, um, coming up with Abbott, you know, winning statewide by 11 points or so. And the statewide races among the big ones, right, look very similar percentage-wise among all of the, the big races, right? So Abbott Beto was 54-43, Paxton Garza 53-43, Patrick Collier 53-43, right, those most competitive competitive races, all being, you know, 10, 11% or so in favor of the Republicans. Um, To what, I I guess, maybe there for starters, Philip, you know, to what do you attribute that enthusiasm gap uh, statewide for the Democrats? Uh, I wish I had better answers for you. I think that the, (laughs) I think that the turnout numbers are the entire story. Um, I don't think that there was it, – it, it does not appear that there was enormous enthusiasm on the Republican side. They merely sort of turned out close to their 2018 number. And the 2020 number is just pointless for comparison purposes just because it's a presidential year. Yeah. Um, and uh, so <clears throat> I think you look at 2018, which is a, a high watermark for – for turnout, no doubt. Um, but what accounts for the complete lack of enthusiasm among Democratic voters in 2022? Man, I don't fucking know. Um, they got plenty of messages about abortion and about Uvalde. Now, I don't think that Beto or Collier or Garza did a good enough job framing those messages with the requisite degree of horror that they should have been communicated with. I don't understand what the problem is with finding the footage, which is all over YouTube, by the way, of dead Texans frozen in their fucking homes and running that shit. You know, Beto in 2018 was very rightly criticized for not being aggressive enough in his messaging. And if anything, in 2022, he was worse. Um, and I don't, I do not get that. I don't understand why you don't have a woman who had an ectopic pregnancy and nearly lost her life on TV talking about how in Texas today she would die. 
And that's, I mean, that's real. This mm -hmm. isn't made up. This isn't me being dramatic. These are real things in Texas today. Uh, women are substantially less safe than they were in this state a year ago. Substantially. It, and it's, it, this isn't, it's not a point of debate. It's not a partisan bullshit thing. It's demonstrable. You know, um, there are a bunch of dead kids in Uvalde. There are, and the parents of those kids are enormously effective communicators. Um, I've been following several of them on social media and the things they say are brutal, absolutely brutal and stuff that nobody can back away from. And I've, I've said this since Uvalde happened, Republican parents are also scared. They're mm -hmm. also scared. So I don't, I just, I don't under, but I, I got to say all that is like, to me, doesn't explain more than a couple of percentage points of the problem and why Dallas County. I mean, if you look at um, the local races, if you look at Crusoe and uh, Clay, their margins were worse than their 2018 margins. Um, and that's, inexplicable because both of those two have done good job and the, the the thing here is is that people just simply did not turn out dallas county should be a 65 35 or maybe even a 68 32 county that's really what the margin should mm -hmm. look like around here and we know that from previous that's not just my guess we know that from mm -hmm. previous elections and and the trend line of that stuff and and their races both were 60 40 60 40 60 40 against fucking losers against god awful candidates with no campaigns and so i i don't know man there's something that happened where the messaging didn't hit it didn't grab people it didn't move them to the polls i mean <clears throat> i'm frustrated so i'm like being too demonstrative and too uh definitive about my position what, what do you see yeah you know I, I mean i think that the turnout story is the story that is is everything right I, I think you know there is definitely something to be said about beto playing sort of with with kid gloves with with abbott um and, and even you know god yesterday you know abbott you know comes out and talks about invasion well the last time people were talking about invasion right there was a shooting in el paso a mass shooting at a walmart in el paso that's right. Uh, right. You know, they're using that same language. You know, the Republicans lean in constantly into what people say about them. Right. And, you know, to me, I don't know how, you know, again, those are ads are easy ones to make. Right. You have, you know, Donald Trump saying invasion, Greg Abbott saying invasion. The manifesto of the shooter says I'm stuck here. I drove from Allen, Texas to El Paso, Texas, to stop the invasion of Hispanic people at the U.S. border. Right. Actions have consequences. People's words have have consequences, right? Um, you know, some of the local race numbers. You know, I sort of assumed the Crusoe, you know, Faith Johnson race probably has to deal with this perceived crime, right? And Crusoe's perceived ineffectiveness on crime, and the fact that they've been harboring the Dallas News and the establishment have sort of been hammering him on, you know, some of his his policies, right? Um, you know, the Clay Jenkins, right? Same with Clay and COVID, right? I mean, I feel like there's just that group of people that are just pissed off about, you know, COVID restrictions at all. Like Clay really did anything, could have done a whole lot more than he did, right? Or less than he did. Um, oh, no, man. There, dude, this, is, this drives me fucking bananas. So every time there's a public health problem, does not matter what happens. We do whatever we do to try to mitigate the public health effect. We know at the time that we don't know everything. I mean, brand new virus. We know we're going right. to fuck some stuff up. Yeah. And, it, you know, within 24 months, you have horses ass Republicans in Dallas County and other places mm -hmm. using 2020 hindsight to say, well, hey, we shouldn't have shut the schools down. Right. Or yeah, yeah, we shouldn't have shut the schools down. And, and you know, you, you sold us a bill of goods on washing our hands and all. I mean, like they, they, the stuff they're saying is the most unfair type of rhetoric that you can possibly have. And nobody who has a fair mind in any way would go along with that shit. But that's not the point, man. It's all, you know, it's just tendentious, cheering for laundry, all that. I, anyway, I hate that shit. And I see 
honest to God, I see what I consider to be mainstream old school Republicans participating in this shit. And I'm just disgusted. I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any, there's not a group of people left on that side that are worth talking to. And that's a really grim thing to think, I think. That's pretty bleak. Yeah, pretty bleak, right? Um, you know, so those those races are interesting. You know, I looked at at, at the countywide totals just quick, right? So uh, Beto and Abbott, uh, the st big state races were all 62, 35-ish or so. Yeah, right? um, that's what so I mean by our locals yeah. kind of underperformed, right? Yes. Uh, even, you know, John Bryant in his race against Sarah Lamb, you know, was 65-34. Um, that's probably close to the right result for that. District, I, I think right? if you look at that district in 2018, that's what it did also. I think that's, I think it was drawn to be that. And then, you know, the one, um, well, and then, you know, Andy Summerman beat uh, JJ, right, 52-47 or 53-47 or so. Um, right. And that was a district that was drawn so that a Democrat could win it. Right. And um, and in 2018, if you use the 2018 numbers, that's a D plus 9.5 district. So Andy underperformed a little bit. I wouldn't like <clears throat> like we're going through these races and you're talking about the specifics for the races. And that's generally the right thing to do. You, you look at what each candidate did. Yeah. With those, though, I really think it's just the turnout thing. Now, yeah. you, you know, it's what was the turnout issue? Was it the individual issues in the campaign? Was it the messaging, whatever? I don't know. But Andy's got some work to do. The, the next time he runs, I want to see him win by 10 points. You know, that's that kind of that's what I and I want to see John Cruzo win by. 28, you know, 30. And I want I want a little bit bigger margin because I think I really believe that's where Dallas County is, but you got to get your people there. You got to get people out to vote. Right. Well, and that's, uh, you know, that 68, 68, 32 over Y, you know, that, that overlay is, is what, yeah. Turnout is the entire, is the, definitely the entire story there. Um, Democrats now basically have every seat at the county level of government other than one, I probably constable somewhere. Right. Um, I think there's one lone Republican that is at any level of county government now in, That's Dallas, right. in Dallas County. Um, you know, all of the judicial races, you know, went went for the Democrats as well. Um, you know, so that's, I guess, the the look at things on the local level. Some of the, the counties around turn out at different parts of the state, right? So we said Dallas County was 43, statewide was 45, Harris County 42, Bear County 44, Travis County 52, Tarrant 46, Collin and Denton both at 52%, right? So the more conservative counties um, around in the Metroplex having higher turnouts as well, um, you know, definitely tell tell the story. And yeah, I don't, the enthusiasm gap piece is one that um, is a head scratcher. Um, what did I, they I wanna hear? What What would have worked? Right. And that's the thing that, I, you know, it's funny with Democrats, you know, I don't know, I mean, the existential crisis that the country could find itself in under, you know, Trumpism in 2024. Um, right. And, uh, you know, I think some folks feel like the sort of death of democracy as we know it is overblown a bit. But, you know, these people don't are not playing. Right. There's a, a case that will be heard this year for the Supreme Court about, you know, uh, state legislatures deciding presidential electors oh, God. Right? um you know these are folks that are are not messing around and so you know the very real threat that republicans today pose to democracy in this country is clear and present right um you know you are seeing i think some of the signs of you know texas republic 30 years of texas republican uh rule you know they um you know kind of can, uh, I mean, flex flex their muscles as majorities do, but there are chances that they can get sloppy. But I was looking at even the state Senate and state house races, you know, with after redistricting and because of the year that was, there are so few seats that are competitive at all, right, that a Republican won that the legislature, you know, is a mess probably for the next decade, right, at least. Um, it's hard to Minimally. find. Yeah, right. It's hard to figure out where 
things get better in the state of, of Texas, um, unless people decide that they're just tired of the Republicans being in charge of things for, for so long, or they get sloppy, right? Um, you know, I was reading a, a thing about, well, they were talking about all of the bills that were filed, right? Um, and how essentially, right, the craziest of the crazies that vote in Republican primaries are the ones who drive the agenda for the state currently, yeah. right? And, you know, the Senate um, is sort of the craziest of the crazy bodies. The Texas State Senate is the craziest, right? And the House for a long time was sort of the calming uh, influence, right, that that kept the Texas State Senate from their worst worst ones. You know, those Texas State Senate seats are so huge population-wise that I think they very much mirror sort of the national agenda, right? They're all being driven by those sort of national national big ticket items. Um, and I think it probably remains to be seen as, you know, does the Texas House continue to be, uh, you know, that body that keeps things from getting too crazy or do they cave too to sort of the, the rowdy folks in there? caucus. I mean, there's big fights ahead about public education in Texas, right? Um, you know, Indiana is seeing the result of this now, you know, they expanded or they did uh, charter schools and vouchers probably about 10 or 15 years ago in the state of Indiana. Um, Indiana was, I think, probably the one of the first states in the country to adopt a voucher program, uh, certainly at its size that it, as it is. Um, and now, 15 years later, you know, we're seeing declining college going rates in the state of Indiana. People are oh, yeah. The college, right? Education is just taken it on the chin time and time again. You look at places like Kansas, right, where Sam Brownback did all those crazy draconian cuts to state services, right? And eventually, you know, the the they catch their own tail, right? Um, and time will tell if that happens in Texas too. Um, but it is hard to find silver linings if you're a Texas Democrat in, in terms of what where we we go from here um and then i think you still have that classical like progressive fight that is happening nationally too that if the progressive wing of the party is where the energy is rather than sticking it to those people all the time right maybe you try and give people something to vote for right um as opposed to the boogeyman of what folks vote against which i see, feel like seems to be democrat strategy in the trump era I I would love to say something encouraging here, but I don't really have anything. Um, I you know my 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 Melissa and my stupid little real estate company is heavily invested in Dallas and will be for years. So I am not shorting the state of Texas, but I'm also not looking to retire here. <laughs> if that's a fair if that's a fair way to put it. Um, and I don't, uh, you know, I would feel worse about that if I didn't feel like I had given so much at the office. You know, I, 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 I don't think anybody can credibly accuse me of not pulling my weight. Um, but I don't know, man. I, you know, an election like this for so nationally fine. It, I had a message from a kind of establishment Democrat that I'm friends with who, you know, some friends of ours on the group text were were bemoaning, oh, my God, we're going to lose the house. And he's like, do not care. He's like, I've been doing this for decades, and this is one of the best midterm elections I've ever mm -hmm. seen. He's like, I am happy as a clam. I'm going to have a glass of wine and go to bed. And I was like, you know what? Nationally, that is the right mm -hmm. answer. That's mm -hmm. exactly right. It's It could have been way, way worse. Um, and it came out kind of okay. And it's, you know, for us on the farther left, it's a little bit disheartening because it, it is going to give the, the Biden administration and the Clinton wing of the party the idea that they've been given at least a little bit of a mandate, which I don't, I don't read it that way at all. Um, but that's how they're, they're going to read it. Um, but in Texas, uh, Jesus Christ, Tyler, <laughs> this place sucks. I mean, this place sucks. Um, <laughs> the the only thing I can think of that doesn't that doesn't trace back to bad people making bad decisions 
um, is this is the first midterm that we've faced that where we got rid of straight ticket voting. And there's no way that that explains everything. It explains a very small amount of the carnage, um, just it, it, because it, it prevented drop off, you know, down ballot drop off. Mm -hmm. If you look at the, if you look at Dallas County, I haven't looked at the other counties yet. There's there's significant drop off for each race. For each race, the total turnout number is lower, lower, lower as you go down the ballot. For you and me, we don't understand why that happens or how to do that. But, I mean, the Republicans have done everything they possibly could to make it uncomfortable and inconvenient to vote, including, I don't know if you noticed this this time. It's the first time that this has happened. This came out of the last legislative session. You now have to certify that you've reviewed the pages and pages of unopposed yeah. candidates. Yeah. And it won't let you cast your ballot until you do that. Well, that's fucking ridiculous. How do, where do we get, honestly, I would love for somebody to pay me enough money to sue over that specifically, because there has always been the ability to ignore parts of the ballot. And they're fine if you ignore the parts of the ballot where there are contested races, you're not required to vote in right. those you races, have to, you have to make at but least you have to look at the unopposed ones. And there is yeah. no reason for that other than to simply try to create lines at polling places to demoralize voters into not voting. And, you know, this is I, and I maintain some good relationships with Republicans. Um, hope, hope I always will, despite my current real um, jaundiced view of even the most moderate Republican um, and. This is the one thing, the, the reduction of voting, where, the, where your moderate Republicans, your older school Republicans, do not fucking understand what their party is doing. Mm -hmm. I mean, or I, I take that back. They, they understand just as well as the rest of us do. They don't agree with it. This is the thing with, where they think it's, it's, a, it's a bridge too far. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, ma making vote. Well, it was interesting. God, the morning news, I don't know if you saw on, I think it was Sunday, you know, they ran a story on the front page that was basically like, uh, Texas's, you know, voting laws didn't really have an impact on, on folks, but turnout was way down. And it was like, uh, uh what? Like, <laughs> like, I don't know how you could, I mean, it, it's hard to say definitively one way or the other, right? I mean, I, you can make the assumption that making it harder on people to vote, um, hurts turnout certainly right uh, but for them to make this like well it seems like it didn't have much of an impact it's like what the hell are you talking about i don't like, know um i mean that was the thing that i just didn't quite understand uh, at all um and i mean voting in texas is hard and we do it literally all the time right um i, I feel like we just there, there's an election every two months at some level right mm -hmm. in texas that um, even to be the most informed voters among us uh, right. Uh, you have to be paying attention to what's going on because you have to go vote literally all the time. Right. Um, and our ballots are long. There are so many races to vote in. You know, it's hard to be an educated voter, um, especially for those down ballot races, because, you know, campaigns, there's not a lot of campaign website that's out there beyond, you know, the questionnaires from legal and voters or the Dallas Morning News. Right. Um, well, and the vast majority of the races are judicial where the candidates, yeah. um, either for real legal reasons or for personal ethical reasons, do not give you anything to make a decision on. They don't talk about anything that fucking matters. Yeah. And, you know, the <clears throat> the real answer there is we shouldn't be electing fucking judges at all. And we certainly shouldn't allow judges to be affiliated with a political party. Jesus Christ. You know, as we as we talked about with Pete Schulte, uh, you know, he and I both have had experiences where we're at somebody's fundraiser one week and we're in front of that judge the next week or, you know, within a short period of time asking for relief for a client that man, it doesn't matter how good everybody in the system is trying to behave. It looks like it's crooked as shit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you? Yeah, that whole system is a is a mess. I guess other things of note. We talked about Andy winning his race, right? 
Um, Yay! You know, By the way, he's see... already helping me on a massive project. Um, and this is what I had hoped for Andy Summerman. He said he would listen. He said he would uh, take people's advice and that he would be, you know, the, the kind of thing we all say when we run for office. The, you know, the, the, but he's doing it like he's, he's really doing it. And I'm, you know, he's not even in office yet. And he's helping me with a, a like, if I pull this thing off, Tyler, I will probably never quit talking about it. So it's, it, you better hope that I, I fail because I'm going to become, I'm going to go from intolerable to completely socially unacceptable. <laughs> Um, right. So that race was great. Um, I did, that was another, not to, but the morning news, uh, sort of this hand wringing of like, boy, isn't it awful that the Democrats are just in charge of everything in Dallas County. It's just such a stupid week. I like, don't know. You know, I, I, I had this discussion with Melissa a couple of days ago, cause she had read that thing also. And it's so in a perfect world, if you, um, if you have a if you have a county that's a 60-40 county, which is where Dallas County was 10, 15 years ago, it was probably a 60-40 county. In that situation, you do want one or maybe two members of the commissioner's court mm -hmm. to be from the other party because that's kind of fair. Mm -hmm. The thing the morning news is not acknowledging is that the base level of this county is now like a 68-32 county. Mm -hmm. And so with only four members of the commissioner's court to have it be all Democrat is totally fair. It's totally fair. Like this is a county that doesn't have enough Republicans to rub together to start a fire. You know, it's just not, it, it's not unfair for the commissioner's court to be 100% blue. And the other thing about it that they, that they had totally mischaracterized is that, that, that there's some kind of hegemonic uh, thought process in the Democratic Party. Nothing has ever been further from the truth with regards to the Democratic Party. And if you see if you see the issues that John Wiley Price has taken up in the last five to ten years, he's not not visibly different from a Reagan era Republican mm -hmm. in terms of his attitude. Now, definitely with regard to his attitudes toward um social justice he's way better i'm not i, I don't want to demean the guy he's he's a very he has a great uh, the guy has a great resume he really does and and when he, he when he hangs it up we'll name something after him and we should all that's true but he in terms of budget he is the county's budget hawk and he has sort of single-handedly prevented the county from doing a lot of creative things with the with the resources that it has. Um, and I'm excited. And then thing, Andy Summerman is not a liberal. He is not a progressive thinker. He is firmly in the Clinton wing of the party. Um, he's he's a he is a moderate Democrat in all of the good and bad um ways that that can be you know applied to somebody um but what he what he will do is prevent uh commissioner price from being able to pull together three votes to block shit anymore mm -hmm. um so in in that way so the morning news didn't seem to understand this because i don't think that they actually cover <laughs> the commissioner's court anymore <laughs> and the guy who used to cover it is still there they just aren't letting him cover it anymore so i, I don't understand that but um i think you're gonna see um I mean, and nobody on the commissioner's court is really a liberal. Like Clay's the closest thing to a real progressive, and he's not all that progressive. Mm -hmm. um, but what I think you're going to see is outside groups, the 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 allies of these people, the people who got them elected, starting to push forward with some things that are a little bit more progressive. And I don't think there will be any. Um, the math won't work on the commissioner's court to stop it. So I think even though Andy is not real liberal, his election is going to turn the commissioner's court much farther to the left than people 
mm-hmm. would anticipate from his rhetoric in his election. Mm. That's really interesting. Well, and the thing too about the morning news that I, you know, the lack of consistency, which I don't know why we'd expect that at an editorial board, but you know, they don't make the same criticisms of the Texas Circuit Court of Appeals or the Texas Supreme Court, right? I mean, you know, they're all Republicans, right? I don't see them saying, "Boy, that's dumb that they're all Republicans," right? Um, yeah, yeah, just that argument, I, I think, just sucks in general. And I've been mad when, you know, the Democrats do that at times on their state Supreme Court where they're like, I'm running because it's bad that they're all Republicans. And it's like, well, yeah, like, that's true. But like, you got to give people something more. But, but also maybe say something else. Maybe say that the the um, the current Supreme Court has very clearly, especially during COVID, written opinions that look uh, like they were written to an outcome and not written from legal reasoning. And Mm. the court's opinion regarding the governor's emergency powers is a very, very stark example of that. Um, And, you know, Nathan Hecht is the chief justice of the Supreme Court, and he was long, long considered one of the best legal minds in Texas and one of the most, one of the highest integrity appellate uh, jurists because he he refused to write to an outcome. He would write from legal reasoning. And he, I mean, I think he has severely damaged his long-term reputation because under his leadership, the court has become really a tool of the Republican Party. Um, now, you know, this is this is kind of a, a little inside baseball and lawyer stuff. Lawyers like to believe that courts are apolitical or should be apolitical. Uh, and a lot of acad- non-lawyer uh, academicians and uh, analysts, people who study this stuff, have, have always said, look, politics matters way, way more than the legal reasoning. And lawyers like to be offended by that or whatever. But more and more, it's 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 become very difficult for those of us in the profession to defend these institutions as non-political when they are making decisions that, you know, you don't have to have a deep uh, background with the common law of the United States or even of your own state in order to see that when they when the the state law says the governor is allowed to do these things and county judges are allowed to do these things. And the court says the second part where the county judge is allowed to do these things doesn't, is wrong. It doesn't, that doesn't mean what it says on the paper. Mm -hmm. That's a fucking political decision. They made a political decision. Nathan Hex signed off on it. He, I think, in fact, he was the author of the opinion. (laughs) And so I I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, I don't have a good way to defend the institutions that we require people to utilize for dispute resolution anymore. And I frankly am a little shocked that people don't resort to gunplay more often. <laughs> Which we do not encourage folks. Uh, <laughs> it's, folks no, it's do. not. It, yeah, that is, that's not, that's not an endorsement of gunplay. It's just, I'm a little surprised it doesn't happen more. We don't go back to the duels. Uh, two other, you know, notes locally, right? So Jasmine Crockett, right? It, it, of course, uh, you know, was not in doubt, but she will be joining the the House. Definitely, probably the furthest left, most progressive member of the Texas congressional delegation. Unless it's Greg Kassar. Right, or unless it's Greg Sakar, right? Labor organizer uh, down there in, in Austin, right? Um, did you see? Did you see that he's not even sworn in, and he's already asked the Department of Labor to open an investigation into Tesla's gigaplant. Yeah, it turns out you should maybe pay people for the job that works that they do to build your factory. Weird. Weird. And maybe not work them to death in violation of uh, scheduling laws. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. There, there are a huge number of complaints. Some of them related to safety. Like what do you think, what are you gonna do if you have to get off of Twitter, Philip? Have you started your way over to Mastodon yet? Or? <laughs> I have reserved a uh, <laughs> a, a name on a Mastodon server <laughs> that is located in Spain and that is primarily um, for Spanish politics. So 
you're going to have a hard time finding me unless I actually go participate in Mastodon. But my theory on this is that nobody's actually leaving Twitter. Um, you should talk about it. Yeah, yeah they, I've seen so many people declare how they're leaving Twitter and the numbers don't bear out <laughs> that, that they actually have. And anybody who participates in Twitter at all knows that the last three weeks have been the funniest it's ever been. So I don't see uh, my here's how I see it playing out. I think the ad revenue is in, is enough of a problem that this will result in either a sale or a bankruptcy within six months. If it's a bankruptcy, um, which I, is what I anticipate, um, the creditors will never allow for what is known as a debtor in possession bankruptcy, basically allowing the current management team to restructure the debt mm -hmm. and, yeah, and stay in control. Yeah. They'll demand new people. And if I were one of these C-level Twitter execs that got fired, I would be making the rounds on Wall Street to raise what do you think the thing's worth after mm. it crashes? Crashes, right? Yeah. Three, three to three to six billion. Yeah. So yeah. raising that for somebody who ran the thing and made it basically, I mean, it was never profitable, but made it, you know, viable. If you're one of these people who developed the moderation protocols and all that stuff, if you had a if you had a plan for putting the thing back to good with maybe 70% of the workforce it had before and making a profit, um, I think you could raise the money to do it. And the, the really, and this is what I advocate for media properties also like newspapers, shouldn't it just be an employee owned thing? Mm. That, yeah. That, if, you yeah. Don't, if you don't have to return the quarterly results to Wall Street that- to Investors, that, yeah. Maybe yeah, you I mean actually that? do cover news. That would be weird. I don't know. That's a lot. It allows you to make a lot more decisions um, that are in the that are for the benefit of the site and the user rather than the investor. Which yeah. I think there is a problem there. I think there's a conflict between those two things. Anyway, uh, I'm not leaving. I'm not. I'm. I'm not fucking leaving Twitter. I think it's fucking hilarious that in the last few weeks there's been a there's been a fake um bring a trailer account the bring a trailer is this auto auction website that i love that has crazy cars for sale and so this guy just like created this parody account where he makes fun of all the people who all the fucking car nerds who nerd out on this site and it's you know it's hilarious to me because i'm 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 in one of those car nerd categories one of those car nerds um <laughs> Other, you know, Vinton Jones uh, will join the Texas legend in House District 100, right? Another new face on the, the Dallas County political scene. Um, we'll be interesting to see how those folks fare down in the ledge. Um, and I, we ledge have... is going to be weird, man. Um, you've got John Bryant. Um, you've got uh, Mahala Plisa, who, you know, is the first Democrat elected in Collin County in a long fucking time. District 70, and they are telling me that they do not intend to uh, roll over the way that the last two Democratic caucuses have for the Republicans and just hand the speaker's gavel to Dade Phelan, and and it, they're, that they're actually going to demand some concessions. And I don't know, man. I'm anxious to see it. Uh, Chris Turner's not coming back as caucus leader. Um, Chris is a great guy. I mean, I like Chris a lot, but I don't agree with how he handled the, you know, using the caucus's power. I, I do describe it as rolling over. Um, and if, yeah. if we're going to have some Democrats down there that fight, uh, the 2023 session could be a lot better than 2021. You know, well, and that was one of the things that, you know, when, when we went to that debate down in Deep Ellum for 114 before the primary, Right. You know, John Bryant talked about that at the debate, and that was something that really stood out to me. Right. When he was like, you know, I don't know, we need to quit appeasing these people. Right. Like they that's not getting us anywhere. Right. In the state of Texas, playing nice with them has not gotten Democrats any policy wins at all in the state of Texas. And so quit doing it. No. And in Make fact, an 2021 was right? the worst session we've ever had. And, it, and yeah. second place doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. Yeah. 
right? I mean, it is a good thing as, you know, a newer Texan, I do like that the ledge only meets every other year. Cause I think if they met every year, like they do in Indiana, I would just have a stroke from being angry literally all the time. Well, that's, um, that is the, that is the classic Texas joke, Tyler. Yes. Is that they meet once every other year to protect the citizens. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, thank God. Right. Cause I mean, man, that, they're pretty, uh, they're pretty wild, but it'll be interesting to see how things shake out uh, down there. The session's coming up soon. Public education is going to be the fight, right? I mean, that's the, that's maybe, the I don't know. Um, it, it, Dan Patrick has already had to walk back with his rhetoric on that. I saw they want to do a carve out for the rural areas. You can't do it. You I'm can't like, do it under the work? Texas Constitution. No, it's yeah. not possible. Like, he's just talking out of the ass at this point because they got out ahead of the rural vo voters who support them. The rural voters, the only reason small towns still exist is because of independent school districts. Mm -hmm. Like, if you've got an ISD, then you've got a town. And if your ISD goes away, you no longer have a town. And so yeah, those people do not like vouchers. They don't think that's funny. This is coming from a small wing of the party that doesn't understand the actual electorate that keeps them in office. And it's a massive misstep. And I would not be surprised to see vouchers go completely burned up in the first first quarter of the session where people are just walking it back and saying, we're not messing with that anymore. Yeah, which that would be great. Right. Uh, but they need the vouchers to keep people in Jesus school and away from being groomed and critical race theory, you know, in the public schools. So, <laughs> you know, what's so funny about the 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 allegations of grooming is where is it that children become sexually abused? Uh, yeah, it's in yeah. churches and religious schools, churches, right? Religious institutions, their homes. Like um, I would I mean, yeah. I mean when I was in high school, I was doing everything I could to get molested by somebody. Now, you know, I was hoping it'd be another student, but the, the you know, it, I, I think that the danger, if we're if we're trying to identify the danger, the relatively small enrollments of, of religious schools compared to the number of sexual misconduct complaints, I mean, maybe OSHA should shut down religious schools. <laughs> that could be, uh, I, could, that's, I could see that campaign ad now, right? I mean, yeah, we, stop, the, stop the grooming. Uh, that's all I've got this week. Anything else you, uh, you got? You got one more, the, the, the most local thing. Oh, prop, the prop. Prop A. Prop. We didn't talk about Prop A, yeah. It passed overwhelmingly, 67 to 32%. Um, so and, demoralized. Yeah, I mean, we knew it was going to happen, and we knew it was going to win big, right? I did my part to tell my friends, like, I don't know, it would be nice for us to do things for Fair Park without having to give money to the parkies, right, in the process, um, and encourage them to vote against it, but it won overwhelmingly. Uh, I, I mean, we won't, we haven't talked much about the city uh, in general uh, and the big Dallas energy that um, oh, the mayor has made his his thing from the state of the city today that he had down at Fair Park. But the BDE, the BDE that we're bringing now, um, God, he just, those, I'm telling you. He's so data-driven. I don't know. Big D, big Dallas energy. Uh, so I, I, so I know that you have multiple group texts with people that, you know, amuse you. I do too. I have one with a rather prominent local media figure who every now and then just drops, without comment, a tweet from our mayor into the group text. <laughs> and I think, I think the mayor would be horrified to learn what some of the media elite in Dallas uh, actually think of him. Uh, I know. Yeah, well, he, as the narcissist, right, he definitely would be upset to know that people make fun of him. <laughs> Um, I know the Trump on the Trinity. That's my nickname for him. Still, that's my favorite one. I think I'll you know. I think it has uh, it, it has, you know, it has merit. It certainly has. Uh, there's a case brief you can build for it where somebody can't say, "Oh, you just you're just making that up. You're just calling names." No, it, yeah. it, it, there's there's some a lot there's of there. A lot yeah. of similarities there. Um, yeah, the big Dallas energy. Out of the Prop A, we knew it was going to pass. We knew it was going to pass big. Uh, it's sad and it sucks, um, but that's 
there was no real opposition campaign either, right? Which no, I tried. Um, I thought that the luxury hotel operators would hate it, um, and they do. They don't like it. They don't think it's good. But they did not want to mount a campaign, and I I quoted them a price that would be a bargain to do it, and I could not. I could not generate any. Yeah. Um, and I mean. Harlan Crow funded the a lot of the anti Omni uh, campaign, the taxpayer owned hotel, uh, for some very obvious reasons. But this, so I kind of thought this would be up his alley again, and he just had no interest in it. I couldn't get any of the big flag hotels to do it, the Marriotts or or the Hyatts to to kind of bite off on it. And you know, the thing is. <clears throat> It's a weird deal because it does hurt people. Like, it's not free money. Um, people come to Dallas, and this will shock people, but people do come to Dallas to visit me. Or maybe maybe they're visiting Melissa. Maybe I'm just, you know, tagging along. But they do come to visit me, and they have to rent hotel rooms. And that's a hotel stay that I've generated that has, owes nothing to fucking visit Dallas. Um, you know, uh, I... So that's a pro that I think that's a real problem. But the bigger thing is, if anybody tra you're traveling right now, I mean, look, you're going to look at your bill and mm -hmm. go, "What the fuck? How much hotel occupancy tax does San Antonio charge? Because it's mm -hmm. a lot, dude." And so, I, you know, I just got back from uh, traveling, and and same deal. Even in Europe, they they fund stuff this way also, and the the prices you're paying for lodging in other places are a result of a fucking arms race that we're participating in by jacking hotel occupancy taxes all the time. And I don't know of a good way to de-escalate that arms race. Um, it would be great if, you know, maybe if Secretary Pete would figure out that there's a federal interest in promoting travel in the United States and using his vaunted transportation system he would see that allowing, you know, localities to just charge whatever as a goddamn tax on your hotel stay is not really a great idea. He's too busy allowing the airlines to continue to be awful. So he's got, <laughs> I mean, he's got a full agenda. So anyway, I, I fully recognize from the moment this thing came up that it was a fait accompli and that fighting against it was going to be a massive waste of my time. And uh, and I shouldn't feel bad about it because I had nothing to do with it. Uh, but what happened was I decided to try to fight it a little bit, and it made me feel bad. And so now I'm just, I don't know, further demoralized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and maybe the things that they do at Fair Park will be nice. Who knows? Don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't fucking care. You know, it, the, <clears throat> I was in Munich, <clears throat> and they have a similar situation there. Their large park where they hold the giant Oktoberfest doesn't have much use the rest of the year. And they have the same sort of angst about it that we have here about, well, you know, shouldn't we have more stuff out there or whatever else? It doesn't fucking matter. That shit doesn't matter at all. Like, I have... I have done as much work as I could do to make Fair Park a good place to be. And it is a pretty good place to be. The main things that need to happen have been vetted, have been talked about, and nobody's willing to do them. And so if we're not willing to talk about the stuff that we know is going to work, then I don't fucking care. I don't fucking care. And if those neighborhoods down there would like a little bit more uh, – resources or attention i'm all in favor of that please please fix their sidewalks please fix their storm drains give them fucking universal basic income whatever invest in the neighborhoods i'm all for the people but i could not be bothered any less by the future of fair park than i am now i did everything i could and god damn it fuck it i i just I, I don't care anymore. 
Uh, well, and the thing that, you know, is uh, if we do want to talk about the priority piece, right, uh, you know, the thing that is frustrating, right, is the city has huge needs, right, making the parkies wealthy, probably not the top priority, you know, we have a huge affordability crisis and housing crisis in the city, right, we have a renewed pension crisis, I don't know, we have you... a new pension, I saw that today, we have a pension crisis as well, right, um, and the people that are in charge, and this will be, you know, as we pivot to elections next year, right, seem to be cared about stuff that doesn't matter um, when it would have been nice to have a proposition to f help, you know, I don't know, find affordable housing in the city. Like Austin has done the last like two Austin times it, it has passed debt um, propositions. Right. So they're not worried about anything, any of the things that actually matter to people's quality of life in the city. Um, you know, we have a city council that we've criticized a lot for being adrift, right, and sort of lacking uh, any real sort of leadership, right? Um, we have a mayor who is a narcissist and is more worried about promoting weird marketing slogans and becoming a member of the board of trustees at SMU uh, and uh, whatever is next for him, whatever that looks like, who the hell even knows, right? Um, and there are people that have real problems that are in the city and no one is paying attention to them, right? Um, if that's, uh, I don't know, it, it, we can pivot from feeling bad about how the election went to feeling bad about the fact that we don't have real leaders in the city of Dallas currently. Uh, maybe that's a bleak way to end today's episode. Uh, yeah, if I, again, going back to the early part of the episode, if I had something comforting to say, I would pipe right <laughs> up with it. But uh, no, um, y'all all, uh, enjoy the electoral landscape you've created for yourselves. <laughs> Voters are always um, right. That's one thing we, uh, you and I, we talk about all the time, right? Voters are always right. No, but voters are frequently know. wrong. But what voters always do yeah. is get what they deserve. Correct. And, yeah. And my friends, you've richly earned this. <laughs> Enjoy the hellscape you've created for yourself, Texas. <laughs> Stay on Twitter. Don't leave. I'm going to, I'm trying to worm my way into some bankruptcy play for the asset later. <laughs> All right. Um, despite the fact that none of this was very cheery, I did enjoy uh, seeing your uh, handsome face again and talking with you. So, likewise. Yeah. And God knows the, the listeners have waited long enough for us. So, we will uh, try to be a little bit more prompt on the next one, uh, listeners, and look forward to the great Judge Suzanne Wooten to join us soon. <laughs>